Welcome back, guys, to Kieran's Corner, and we have the most special guest today. <laughs> we have the boss man here to talk about his Dallas Cowboys. How you doing, Tim? The big boss man. The big boss man is joining us, is he? WWF uh, fans here. Um, I'm not quite as big as he is, or I don't. Know, I don't think I own any shades as good as that either. Or and I don't own a truncheon. But apart from that, I'm all right. Yeah, I'm good. Well, without further ado, guys, welcome to Kieran's Corner. Kick it and go. Kick it and kick it and go. Well, welcome Kick it Tim. and go. Kick it and go. Kick it and go. We, we might have to use a, a little bit more of a British song yeah. next time. Stiff Kick. arm, spin move. <laughs> I've heard that song so many times from oh, man, like, Madden. Like, it, it, like, like, like every time I'm in a menu, I hear it in the background. Like, mm. my interest. You, the, best, the best thing about that song is that the, and the fact that you use it is whenever I upload your these podcasts to YouTube, it gets to, it gets blocked in the most random of countries like Iraq and Iran and Syria. And I'm like, I don't like, hey, why are they blocking that that song? And it's just like four countries that are all like war torn or you know, dodgy and, and whatever. Just, you know, just ironic. One of those small little things that are just ironic. It's just like. You'd think like the USA would ban it or something. Is it like a UMG claim or something that blocks yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're they're the worst sort of people. <laughs> Somebody who watches a lot of YouTube, they they constantly screw over a lot of YouTubers. So um, yeah, we, we apologize to anyone that might have yeah listens to the audio version in Iraq, Syria, or Iran. And <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of Iraqi fans, didn't you know? Yeah, they use yeah. they use my podcast to torture people. Um, yeah. Get information out of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wonder, I wonder how many minutes that would be until you, they get in. A couple of minutes, maybe. <laughs> well, we'll, well be, it will be in this one. This is going to be an interesting episode for me because we've gone through some fun teams in this. Te- teams that mm. I have a lot of fun watching, like the Bengals and the Browns. And a team, despite being America's team, a team that is a little bit overlooked in the past year or two has been the Dallas Cowboys. And I will say, I do like the Dallas Cowboys. I'm a big, big Dak Prescott fan. So I think the logical place to start will be will be last season or well last season's off season really, because you had quite a strong draft last year. Mm. Yeah, like yeah, Trevon Diggs and uh, obviously CD Lanford and Laps was nice, but Trevon Diggs hopefully he'll he'll come on again in the, again this season. But bless him, he didn't really have too much too much help on on the on the defensive side of things. But um, Mike Nolan didn't work out, didn't. Let's be honest. So um, yeah, I, I think all the time that I've been watching Dallas, I've, I've not even seen a good defense. So I don't even know what a good defense looks like if it smacked me in the ass. But uh, I just have to just watch the Rams or obviously you know, past Patriots defenses or all the rest of it. So um, yeah, another another change in the in the carousel. Dan Quinn's obviously in. Yeah, he, he's a pretty decent defensive coordinator. Obviously didn't go uh, according to plan. As a head coach in Atlanta, but um, yeah, we had a we're coming to the draft on, in, a, in a second, but hopefully, um, yeah, Trevon Diggs um, can can progress a little bit. Obviously, no Byron Jones, uh, obviously hurts a little bit, but yeah, defense uh, not our forte, so to speak. Yeah, so how how did you feel going into last season? Obviously, Dak Prescott, it was a is a time for him to make a big statement. Uh, you you have you look locked and loaded. I think. He, you know, going into last season, even though C.D. Lamb was a rookie, you with Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, 
probably the oh, best wow. wide receiver room in the uh, in the NFL. Yeah, um, uh, it's certainly one of the most exciting. Uh, it was nice to see CD Lamb just hit the ground running, and you know, uh, my man, my man, Mister Nate Jarwin. He uh, obviously went down in the first game against the Giants or whatever game it was, and that was kind of season over from. from <laughs> no, it wasn't really. Um, Dalton Shorts obviously stood stood um, stood up and, and was counted. But yeah, I mean, Dak Prescott. Um, whilst he, you know he was putting on up record record setting numbers, wasn't he? Before he went down to that, that was a gruesome ankle injury you get against the Giants. But you know, it, it was a culmination of how bad our defense was. So you know, if you, if you. you know, Logic suggests if you have a, have a half decent defense, you don't need to pass for so many yards that that uh, Dak Prescott was on pay, on pace for. So yes, I, I think what whilst many people will raise eyebrows at the the, the contract that Dak got, we'll, we'll get onto him in a minute, in a second. But you know, he it showed that he had the ability to pull the Cowboy. You know, you watch the Cowboys games early part of the last season. The amount of 14 21 point digit holes we got ourselves into because of Zeke uncharacteristically fumbling the ball or you know the offense fumbling the ball back to back plays on, on offense and just silly little things like that and to to come back you know obviously the, the watermelon kick it against Atlanta and some games where you know, we we didn't come out of the win but you know got it down to a one score game or a field goal game just shows you that Dak has got it in his locker and in my, my opinion um is he worth the is the is he worth the contract yeah, I, I I think so. Um, say he, he he's shown that he can pull that team from twenty point twenty point deficits and, and bring them back into the fourth quarter and and you know at least have the drive to go and win the game. So I mean, if that's not a franchise quarterback who we picked in the fourth round, I and mean, I, I we struck gold with him to to be quite honest. It was lucky how he got onto the field, obviously replacing Romo when he he cracked his back or or whatever it was you know preseason. Um, he's never looked back. He's proven himself on on contract years under the franchise tag. Fully deserves it in my opinion, and um, hopefully he can stay on the field for for the eight or seventeen games this season. Yeah, I was, I was going to say because he was obviously immensely talented at Mississippi State, and th- there was always a lot of eyes on him. But when the Cowboys drafted him in the fourth round, I don't think anyone really had any expectation. I mean, obviously, I wasn't looking at the Cowboys, especially at that point in time. How did you feel when you drafted him? Do you think it was like uh, a future backup or did you have any knowledge of how he played at Mississippi State at all? No, I'm not. I'm not. I was certainly when he was when he was uh, drafted. What was it 2016? Um, I wasn't. A bit, I'm not a big college fan. Not someone that yeah. You know, I kind of do it for the draft. I'll do first round mock drafts. So I doesn't. I don't really go too much deeper than the third or fourth round. And you know, when you when you pick uh, quarterbacks in third and fourth round, you look at the, the guys this year, like your Kellen Mons and Sam Ellingers and all the all the rest of it. You don't expect those guys to come in and, and play to you know get to where Dak Prescott has you. You look at the amount of quarterbacks over the last decade that have been third round or later quarterbacks. You know, the ones that strike out you is obviously. Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott, and there's only a handful, a few others. So even it makes you wonder actually why they 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 kind of draft quarterbacks in the later rounds because none of them pan out. But I suppose if you do strike gold, it, it just gives you an, yeah, a massive edge to to then go and build the rest of your team. But you know, to, to answer your question, like, so when he came into the league, and let's say he's just, he was just a fourth round quarterback, and yeah, was he 135th ever or, or whatever it was? But um, yeah, you don't. At, at that point, when we drafted him, you still expected Romo to be there for a, a, a good number of years. Um, obviously, injury curtailed his his Hall of Fame career. Because <laughs> I, I never thought Romo was a bad quarterback. It just seems like the only time there was a spotlight on him, he would he would muff up somehow, and hmm. we'd see him make incredible plays, and then he would like, you know, he'd mess up a hold on a field goal. Or, or just something really, really yeah. stupid that if he mm. wasn't the Dallas Cowboys 
quarterback, nobody would have given a toss about. Yeah. But it obviously happens in primetime games, given yeah. the, the size of the Cowboys brand. Yeah. But, I mean, there's, there's a reason that he was so synonymous with December. I mean, he actually had a really decent... He had, he had an astounding record in November, but it just, you know, like I say, when, when the cameras were on him and Dallas, you know, push came to shove... I wouldn't necessarily call it choking. It is, well, I suppose you probably, probably would call it choking, but it's, it's just a shame that he retired. They never got to a Super Bowl because, uh, yeah, again, probably a bit with tip rose tinted glasses on. Definitely deserved to at least go to one, in my opinion. You know, you, know, you go back to the championship game against uh, no, it was the championship game uh, against Green Bay. The Des caught it. The Des caught it throw. That was he that did was the year. It, by the way, yeah, well, yeah, would have been it would have been now, wouldn't it? But um, that was that was the year. That certainly felt like the year. That was the year. I think we were like we were two. Two, one or two seed, I can't remember what we were, but 14 and two or something, 13 and three. Um, but yeah, that, that was the year for, for them. And then unfortunately, the ship's not come back to the dock then to, to leave again. But I mean, who knows, 2021. Yeah, I think Romo wins you that. He's probably cow- Cowboys legend, uh, maybe one of the best of all time, mentioned up there with Starbuck and everything. But mm-hmm. let's talk about the guy now. And Obviously, he had an absolutely horrendous injury last season. Something that sometimes this happens to players and it's always tough to watch, especially guys who, no matter how good or not you think they are, they seem like great guys and you really, really want them to to persevere and you want them to win and you like to see them do good. That's how I've always felt about Dak Prescott. But he signed a huge, huge contract. Mm. this season uh even after the injury how do you feel about this contract well as i mentioned a bit a bit earlier i'm I'm so glad for him uh you know to be fair to to dak he's been he's been screwed around by by jerry jones for a couple of years they they they, the cowboys screwed up a couple of years ago not giving him a contract when he he probably was probably eligible and um i mean i don't really know what changed between two years ago and now to say that he wasn't the franchise quarterback i think he always has been let's say he's rookie season uh, was was just immense, and to get then kind of not necessarily go back on your word, but then to to make him prove it for two years or a year or whatever, or whatever it was. Um, I'm I'm just happy for Dak, and like I said, there'll be there'll be plenty of people out there that says it's too much. He's not worth it. He's one like say that that the big the biggest knock on him will be that bottom start at the bottom there with one, one playoff win. You've got to you're you're caught back on on that much money, you know, taking up a, that percentage of of the salary cap, which will balloon maybe near next year or year after. Obviously, um, it's not not necessarily for the, for this year, but yeah, if you if you're caught back getting forty million a year on average and get you've got one playoff win, um, I'm, I'm I can understand why people will say that he's stealing the living or, but yeah, just just look look at his record, look at his yards, completion percentage. Obviously, he's not the great, he's not as high in the sixties, but yeah, I think completion percentage is a bit of an overrated stat personally, considering the schemes and how open people can get. But um, yeah, touchdown interception ratio one hundred eight to forty. I mean, I'm more than happy with that in in the couple of years that he's been the quarterback. And uh, yeah, like I say, gruesome injury. Again, it was one of those uh, of similar to Alex Smith with it, just without the infection. So I just, I just hope he can come back and play to the same level. Looks okay. in what I've seen so far in preseason, obviously doing some running and all the rest of it. But like I say, I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit wary that he's got the Bucks defense first up and then the Chargers defense in, in the second week as well. He's going to, uh, he's going to get that ankle and that leg tested quite early on. So I'm a bit scared. It's just a shame. I, I would have, acted, if the, all the years I, I know every year I belittle us playing the Giants week one, but I probably would have preferred it, <laughs> preferred it this year. 
year rather than the the Bucks and the Chargers. But um, yeah, good for him. Hope you say hopefully he, pull, he plays to his what he showed last year in you know, record setting yardage and, and all the rest of it. And uh, yeah, I, again, I, essentially, I just want to see Cowboys in the playoff, playing playoff playoff football and actually getting a few wins because our, our record in the last twenty five years in in the in the playoffs is I think bottom three or bottom five, and it's just absolutely just yeah. <laughs> so so soul destroying it's unbelievable yeah well we've seen uh videos of him at like camps and stuff within the mm. past few months and you know he, he's running he's jogging around he's throwing balls and he, even though it's only like kids camps and he's helping out coaching and stuff it looks like he's he can put a lot of weight on it and it, it looks mm. like he's he's doing very well rehab wise but given that you've got one of the richest men in the world paying your salary i feel like probably you're going to have top tier rehab and stuff like that yeah which is just another point i just before we go to the draft is it frustrating having jerry jones as your owner because it feels like and I'll, i'll say this about obviously jason garrett i felt like he was kept around as long as he was because he was a bit of a yes man. Uh, oh, and yeah, I feel like yeah. Jerry Jones doesn't like to be told no. And I, I feel like you need a guy in Dallas who's just, who's who's experienced, who's just going to say to Jerry, here's how it goes down. You shut yeah, the fuck up. You leave the roster and, and the changes to me. Or, or do you think that's never going to happen with Jerry in? No, no, like I say, I think was it who's the uh, was it Jimmy Johnson in the nineties, wasn't it? That he he basically that's that's exactly why they won a Super Bowl because Jimmy Johnson was his own man and like I said, this is what's happening, this is what how the team's going to be run. Won the Super Bowls, and then Joe was like, oh, I want I want that spotlight. I want I want to be you know the main reason that we won a Super Bowl. And he, uh, in his advancing years, he's kind of passed the buck over to Stephen Jones uh, a little bit. So it'd be interesting to see how much he's rubbed off on Stephen and whether or not he kind of still has the same mentality towards it. I think he, he'll probably loose the shackles, shackles a little bit from what, from what Jerry does. Um, but yeah, no, you say you need, you need someone that knows what they want, knows how to implement something and not someone that's just going to stand there and say, yes, boss, yes, boss, yes, boss. Cause you know, you look around, you look around, you look at Bill Belichick, you look at all the teams that have been successful, you know, in the last decade, it's not, it's not you don't see the owners running the show don't you know it's, it's very rare to see the owners running the show and even like in any sport um and, and be successful so yeah until until jerry jones does step down um i don't think we, we i don't think we're going to get to a, a super bowl unfortunately but yeah it just because I, I feel like the one time we've seen because bill bill belichick as a patriots fan is well, he's a curmudgeon for a start but he, he's always been his way. I'm not going to have an owner tell me what to do. This is this, my team to manage. And the one time we sort of saw Kraft actually overrule him with him trading Jimmy Garoppolo instead of Tom Brady, because a lot of people forget this, but originally that trade to San Francisco was supposed to be Tom Brady for just a bunch of first round picks and possibly some players. And mm. it'd been great for Brady playing in his, his hometown, the team he grew up watching, the team he's watched win Super Bowls as a child. Mm. It just felt weird for Kraft to, to overrule. But then obviously Tom Brady was massive of the Patriots. He was he, he he was the reason the Patriots were so well known to an extent because he was that star player. He was the constant we, we went through guys like, you know, Randy Moss, Ocho Cinco, Ty Law, um, 
Mike Vrabel, all these massive names that we had that had been and gone in the time Tom Brady had been there and he'd been the constant and I could kind of see why Kraft wanted to keep him. But you know me and I get a lot of shit from this off Patriots fans. I wish we'd got rid of Brady then and groomed Garoppolo correctly. I And I still think that the Super Bowl against the Eagles, I think Bill Belichick threw that because he did a lot of things that made no sense before the game. But I think the Cowboys, looking at the roster, especially with, you know, you've got Diggs now, Leighton Van Der Esch is an incredibly talented player. You've got the best wide receiver room. You've got a great running back. The line isn't what it was, but you're sort of getting it back. You know, you invest some more money and get back to where it was. I feel like if Jerry Jones, he's never going to get it for his head because you can't tell a billionaire something. They're, they're just never going to listen to you. But if you just had a guy come in, an experienced coach, just let them just give them free reign, give them three years and free reign. I think you could probably win a Super Bowl. So, is, is it a bit, does it piss you off that Jerry is as hands on as he is? Uh, yes, yes, and no. I mean, the, the appointments haven't been great. I mean, going back to the days of like, you know, Wade Phillips and uh, how, how good of defensive coordinator is he? It just didn't work out as head coach. You know, Rob Ryan was another one, and then you had you know, Jason Garrett for longer than I wish to to recall. And then, you know, Mike McCarthy, I just want to fire him into the sun. He's not, he's not the answer. Um, I, I, I don't. I know he took a year out and he said that he come and did all this analytics crap and you know all oh, that was a, that was a bunch of lies that he sold uh, sold Jerry Jones down the river. He he's not the answer. He can't he can't tell his ass from his elbow. Um, it's it's just the people he's employing. They say until until he employs someone with a different mindset and like say he does loosen the shackles a little bit or gives it to Stephen to make the decisions. Like, I I just can't see it. It's, you know it's, it's it's what's that old saying? You know it's it's yeah you know, insanity if you when you do the same thing over and over again and, and expect different results. You can have all the wide, you know, the wide receiver as, as good as they are. You can have Dan, well, not, not Dan Marino, you can have Tom Brady at quarterback. And but if you've not got the supporting cast, you've not got the you've not got the coaching staff to, to get them there. You're not going to get there. And I just think that's that's where it is with Dallas, as much as as I hate to say it. Um, but yeah, I just until it until something changes, the cycle is just going to keep repeating. I, I, you don't. I don't ex I don't expect the Cowboys to be in the Super Bowl. I'll, I'll still bet on them every year because they're the Cowboys and they're a good price. And the NFC East is crap. But um, like I said I just think when push comes to shove, when the you know, the big boys play the big boys, it's that's when your coaching get comes under the microscope. That's when the one or two play bits of play calling or the two decisions are just don't they just don't go the Cowboys way. They just don't, and they haven't done. Um, and until I say until. We have a change of mentality, a change of ethos, and a change of of setup. I, I don't, I, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm so, you know, so grateful for everything that Jerry James has piled in, piled into the Cowboys, the stadium, and you know, the, the experience for the for the people who are going into the to the, to the team, and you know, marketing. I mean, the guy's minted. He lives aboard the Star 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 Trek Enterprise, but you know, doing drafts and, um, but yeah, I say until until a few things change, I don't see that that changing how successful we are in the postseason yeah it's um it's tough because we we've seen you've had the chance to go out and get some crazy coaching staff but the problem is that they're not potentially going to be yes men i mean from last season you could have gone out and grabbed eric b as a head coach Joe Brady as an offensive coordinator and then gone down to the University of Cincinnati and grabbed Marcus Freeman as your defensive coordinator. All guys who 
Joe Brady at LSU took a bunch of talented guys and elevated them to the greatest of all time. Marcus Freeman at Cincinnati just took, uh, went under Luke Fickle, grabbed this defense and turned them into something nasty. And then with Eric Bieniemy, has just constantly been great throughout his entire career. And we've seen what he's done with the Chiefs. I know he's got explosive players there, but as a as a motivating tool, he's great. And hmm. which is what we're going to kind of talk about now going into the draft. Do you think it's a prove-it year for Mike McCarthy after he's grabbed all of this talent? It's an interesting draft. And as I say, I do, I do think, I mean, I just put, I recently put an article up, uh, was it uh, on Sunday, saying I, I looked at every team in, in the NFL, all 32 teams, and I picked out one pivotal game or one game that's kind of in focus. And that, that second game, that's I mentioned it before about Deck, with Deck Prescott, that second game against the Chargers, I mean, I'm all resigned to to not necessarily coming out with a victory on opening night against uh, at the Bucks, But we lose that game and go 0-2. All the rest of the games in the, you know, the next couple of weeks are, are a lot more trickier because you've still got that egg. And I, I think Mike McCarthy's uh, hot seat is just going to be turned up a little bit of a notch. But just to, uh, talking on the draft class, which you can see on your screens there, it's a very peculiar draft. Now, I, I was all for taking a cornerback in, in round one, uh, and I loved JC Horn. Uh, I think he's going to be absolute stud. But um, I think everyone was a bit surprised that Carolina took him. I think they probably could have gone offensive line to help Darnold, or they could have potentially gone somewhere. They do need corner help, but I'm surprised they took Horn. And then once Denver took uh, Patrick Satan, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, Patrick Satan. You know, those are the two guys I want. I wasn't interested in Caleb Farley. I wasn't interested in Greg Newsom, uh, Eric Stokes, or all the other guys that went in round one. So I can see why they went Michael Parsons. I, I obviously heard from afterwards that Michael Parsons was the guy that they, and I hate the cliche, it's almost bad as bringing the band back together, but they they fell in love with. I mean, this isn't the first date. This isn't the first date's hotel. Do you know what I mean? It's, um, but yeah, I mean, to, to then to kind of double down, round four, Jabril Cox, I thought was a great value pick in, in, in round four. And I think you obviously you're liking because he's in LSU and you're one of the biggest LSU homers I've, I've ever known. So <laughs> um, yeah, without, without turning it into an LSU podcast. Um, yeah, to, obviously we got Jalen Smith and, and Van Der Esch didn't perform well last year. Jalen Smith has come under a lot of scrutiny. Um, so I think... You know, drafting those two guys will kind of tell you a little bit about what Dan, Dan Quinn's defense is, is going to kind of look like. Um, and the thing I will say, we did, um, is it Nashon right there in, in the third round uh, was one hell of a reach. Calvin Joseph is, is, is good on, yeah, from, what, from what I've seen, what I've heard. Um, there's a lot of players in this, uh, in this draft that are kind of going to be Dan Quinn guys. So I don't, Necessary. I don't have an issue with the players he's taken. I probably have a bit more of an issue of when when he's taken them because I think you could probably wait. But I suppose it goes back to the old adage, you know, if you want your guys, go and get them. Um, I just think possibly, you know, you look at the value we got last year in in the players we got with Lamb and, and Diggs and, and all the other, the other guys as well. Um, I just think this year was kind of the reverse of that. We've probably got good players. I know Michael Parsons, let's say he's got kind of off the field stuff that, that has been going on, hopefully, you know, playing for the star um playing for America's team will kind of keep him on the on the, on the right track. So you know, I, I think on paper it's probably gonna go under the radar. There is there are a few reaches there. Chauncey Golston kind of another one as well. But um you know certainly Parsons, Cox, Josh Ball is okay as well and Simi Fahoko, you know, I mean I'm not sure how much of the field he's gonna see when you've got Lamb, Gallup and uh, and Cooper. But yeah, you know, it wouldn't be surprised me if Cooper or Gallup do leave next season because we're not gonna be able to keep Gallup as well uh, as well as Cooper. Yeah, considering the contracts they want. I love Gallup. I hope he stays and hopefully they'll choose him 
him over Cooper, but Cooper's Cooper is so good. Um, but yeah, draft didn't. You know, it's not going to pull up any trees. People are not going to look at it and think they've come away with a, a really good haul of, of picks. Then again, I think it would be more a case of you know if you understand that the players they have taken fits what you know Dan's a Dan Quinn person or Dan Quinn defensive person looks like. I think you can you can probably negate it and just say you know we'll, we'll just have to wait and see how how they turn out. Um, but yeah, Nashawn, Nashawn, right? Yeah, Kelvin Joseph opposite Trevin Trevin Diggs should be should be okay if they can they can hit hit the ground running. Yeah, well, there's two picks I did want to talk about guys who we, over on the college football podcast. Me and one in particular, me and Raj mused about. We love him. We think he's a first round talent, um, and that's also a Diggy Zuwa, a guy who I watched hours and hours of film for for the full ten yard draft guide. Incredible steal in round three. Like I said, me and Raj both think this this kid is first round talent, and I don't want to liken him to Deron Payne, but that's who he reminds me of. And especially mm. now in conference, you've got that big disruptive guy who has a great understanding of leverage. He's got big, powerful, violent hands, and he's always seems to like get up under alignment pads and just creates a lot of problems there at the mm. line. And then obviously Semi Fahoko, I thought. Probably would have gone in round three as well. Just an absolute sleeper pick. A guy who, if you watch him play and you can use him to his full potential, he's going to be fantastic. Now, I, I didn't particularly li- like him going to the Cowboys because I felt like no. now he's basically going to be locked into Derek. special teams for a while because you've got three of the best receivers in the league who, mm. who are lined up almost mm. every single play. Mm. Well, like I said, I don't, I don't think so. If he if he flashes enough on special teams, I think there is an opportunity. Obviously, we've got Cedric Wilson and some other guys very on, on the depth chart as well. But I, as I say I don't think both Cooper and Gallup will be will be there next season. So I think an opportunity will will go up. And I say wide receivers don't tend to. Well, some of them do, but someone like this that's going in the fifth or sixth round, um, yeah, you know, they're not that not not generally going to see the field in in the in the first year anyway. So it'd be interesting to see what you know, I've picked him up in a couple of fantasy dynasty leagues. It's like kind of you know he's undrafted. Yeah, yeah, off from rookie drafts, but just about on your point about the guy that who's getting name, I'm not going to bother trying because I'm going to butcher it anyway. But you know, D- Dallas have always had issues on the on defensive line. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence had one good year uh, over the last couple of years, and yeah, um, Robert Quinn when he was there a uh, year before last, he he helped out a lot, and obviously he went and got his payday. But defensive tackle, I mean, I don't think we've had a, a decent defensive tackle on since since Jay Ratliff. Is it Jay Ratliff? I think it was Jay Ratliff, wasn't it? Um, that was uh, in the early days. I was watching the Cowboys, but uh, you know, we we tried to fill it last season. We had Gerald, Gerald McCoy and uh, Dontari Poe. They didn't work out. Um, I think one of them even got cut before the season started. But I think they, they're going to try and bring one of them back. Um, but yeah, the defensive tackle has always been an issue for us. And like, yeah, again, we we sucked against the run last season. We generally suck against the run in in, in general. And um, we do need to 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 try and find a star a star or two to to help Demarcus Lawrence. He who's in a very uh, very interesting year for him this season. I wouldn't be surprised if it's see him start pulling his socks up again because he's due. He's trying to do, be due for some money. So it's funny these these players are playing contract years, isn't it? It's almost like, as if they want to get paid. Um, yeah. So I mean, if, yeah. I mean, if you think he's good, I'll take your word for it. I don't know much too much too much, too much about him, but let's say the defensive tackle for the Dallas Cowboys generally is a ghost. It's <laughs> a ghost position anyway because you don't never you never make that much of an impact. And like I say, the only one I can pluck from there is Jay Ratliff from from the early what twenty tens, I suppose. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing with Osa. He 
like I said, it's a Duron Payne style position. He's never going to fill up the stat sheet and you might not pay that much attention to him. But when you've got edge guys consistently being able to get over because there's so much pressure on the middle of the line, that's where he's going to make the difference. And you're going to notice you're going to get more sacks or more stops down the middle. And it's going to be because of Osa Digizuwa. He might not have massive, you know, like I said, he's not going to stuff a stat sheet but he is going to help your edge guys and linebackers who are come down into the box. He's going to 100% affect their stats in a positive way. But 17-game mm. season now. But before we get into the, the talking about like how you became a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, what are your predictions for next season? Let's just say everyone stays healthy. What are your predictions? Um, if, we, if we all stay healthy... Um, defense comes on just even just a little bit that doesn't suck suck eggs. Um, I, I think you have to aim for about the ten the ten win uh, kind of bracket. I mean, if you don't get double double digit wins with you know, obviously that can yeah that offense. Uh, I know I know obviously the defense is leaking more leaking than a, than a colander, but um, I think I think ten wins eleven wins has to be especially in that division with you know Philadelphia seemingly not really going to be doing much this just maybe this year obviously the second year might be might be different New York Giants seem to always be in a bit disarray I know they've retooled a little bit uh, Washington do really scare me I think it'd be between Dallas and and Washington um, yeah that defense again is is just it's just beautiful to watch in action isn't it so many good players on, on that defense and um, I, I'll, I'll really really look forward to watching the Dallas uh, Washington games. Um, this season, maybe it's interesting because against Washington, you, you know, obviously again you're facing the defense, and have they got have they got enough on offense? Possibly. I mean, I I say for people that have been listening to me and the, the on the podcast for the last couple of months, they know my thoughts about Washington winning the division last year, and they should be should have been going out and mortgaging the future, uh, going up and getting like a you know, Justin Fields. You know, the Chicago Bears did it. If you're Washington, you're a quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl, in my opinion, and um, so to then only go and get five. Patrick's a bit of a bit of a disappointment, but I th- yeah, I think I think 10-11 wins has to be the target. We don't we always try and make it hard for ourselves. And like I say, if we go 0-2 the first two weeks, uh, it will make each game from then on a bit harder. And uh, Mike McCarthy would be a bit un- under a bit more pressure. But yeah, as long as the defense improves a little bit, I don't think that that offense is going to go anywhere. I think that offense was, should be still high octanes. Uh, hoping that obviously you know, Dak Prescott hasn't missed a beat and is is back to ninety nine percent of what he what he was showing last season. Because yeah, it's, it, it will be fun to watch. Dallas Dallas. Cowboy games will be high scoring. I was going to say, I think if, you know, everyone stays healthy, looking at the schedule, I don't think it, 12 and 5 is out mm. of the realm of possibility for you guys. And mm. the hardest games for you are going to be like Washington, like like we say. I mean, I, I'm not going to rag on the Eagles too much. Everyone knows my feeling on the Eagles. I think they're the worst, but... They've got a new quarterback. They've got some new talent in there. They could potentially be a problem in a year or two. I just mm. think if they're going to go forward with Hurts, they've got to let him develop a little bit more first. And yeah. I think the win-now teams are Dallas and Washington. I know it's Fitz magic, and he's in this weird cycle where every time there's an expectation put on him, he seems to just fumble it. And he only really does what good when he comes in as a backup. But he, he did great in Miami last year, and he stayed fairly consistent throughout the season despite the yeah. two are coming on and then Fitz coming back on it it, it was a bit, bit of a complicated situation for them but I think the division this year is it's going to be you and Washington duking it out yeah. until the bitter end I think both of you are teams with winning records yeah 
And it's going to be tough for Danny Dimes and the Eagles to actually keep up with you two these years because yeah. your rosters are too good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a reason why Fitzpatrick hasn't played. Has he played? He's, in, he's even played a playoff game. I don't think. I'm not sure. Yes, uh, I don't he, think he, so. No, no, I don't. And say that that says it all about Ryan Fitzpatrick. But um, I mean, like you're just on your on your twelve and five kind of thing. I mean, if I if I had faith in in Mike McCarthy and I had faith in the way that yeah, again, the Cowboys were run and you know we always seem to get the those kind of games where the coin doesn't kind of kind of flip on our side. You know, that's why we end up in in eight and eights and seven and nines, nine and sevens and fighting for our lives come uh yeah everything has to go right in the playoffs all the time for, for us to actually win the game so again i say if, if i was any normal team of you know say just an average coaching staff average back you know back office and and whatnot 12 and 5 on paper with that team is more than realistic but yeah again it's just a bit of um apprehension with with what's going who who's there and, and how they go about their business i just think you know 10 10 11 wins it will be will be kind of a win in that respect Trust me, mate. I got Mac Jones and Cam Newton taken. <laughs> did you? Did uh, you notice? Know, for my team, um, did you? Did you like, did you like I, the little I, I Mac know, Jones over there? I, I just, just for you. And I was like, oh god. Um, so yeah, I I get the apprehension, but but let's talk about. Let's take it back a few years. I know you watched football for a few years, and we've heard some great stories on here. We've had oh, it was just the team that picked me in Madden. It, I saw them on Channel 5 late night and they were wearing green. Green's my favourite colour all the way through to, oh, I have friends in America, this is where they're from sort of thing. But how did you become a Dallas Cowboys fan? Um, so I watched the sport for a couple of years and I didn't have a team. Um, I, I, I first come across American football, I was at uni and I was playing the studio, a pool tournament in the in the cafe and it was just on on one of the screens i think it was pittsburgh is it pittsburgh did pittsburgh and seattle play ever play in a super bowl i can't i can't quite remember but anyway i think i think pittsburgh i don't think so no no um it must have been a regular season game so and then i didn't really watch it for a for a couple of years and then i watched early early late 2000s it kind of then came across and i just started watching a couple of games i was kind of drawn to the seahawks and the, and the panthers it's the jake Delhomme era and matt hasselback era and all the rest of it um and I managed to get one of my best friends into it, into the sport. He watched a couple of games, and he he decided to support Dallas. So I kind of just jumped on the bandwagon with him and just watched it. You know, watched the Dallas Cowboys games with him, and then, you know, I've, yeah, loved loved Tony Romo, and you know, loved the, the December choking and <laughs> and the, the heartbreak. And I wouldn't I wouldn't change a minute of it a minute of it because the the best thing about sport is the highs and lows. And I think as a Dallas Cowboys fan, I know you've got, obviously had more of a lows and more lows than you know, a scuba diver. Uh, going on, on expeditions, um, but yeah, I mean the the, the theatre and the you know, the excitement to then get quashed away from like the Des Court staff and um, love being a Dallas Cowboys fan. Wouldn't swap it for any team, and um, yeah, that just kind of just just happened from there. I think I, I think I started. I think I started about 2011, I think it was was when I started watching the Cowboys. There's sort of always uh, the question that needs to be asked really is what do you prefer about american football over let's say some more tra traditionally english sports because it is such a different beast and a lot of friends of mine who have like seen how in into football and stuff i am I'm like oh, i'm gonna try and watch a game or or whatever and they instantly get put off by the amount of commercials and stuff so what really drew you to the game after first sort of seeing it and having exposure 
Mm. Um, for me, it's more around the attention to detail, the, the preparation, and the, the it's very much a, again without being too cliche, it's very much a chess match on the on the pitch. And I love the the scheme side of it and trying to find mismatches. Obviously, playing for a year, a couple of years ago helps with you know just understanding what we'll go into a playbook. And, you know, just the intricacies of an audible or um, you know how one how different formations on both sides of the ball and just all that that the, the kind of the theory and uh, you know the paper side of it. I suppose the grinding side of it is, is what draws it to me. And then just to, to see it play out and I can appreciate it's kind of like poetry on the pitch and that kind of gets me past all the adverts. And I mean, I have Game Pass. It doesn't. It's not really too bad because you get the American commercials that are different anyway, rather than the stupid Tesco mobile adverts and all the rest of other other mobile devices or uh, mobile operators available. But um, yeah, I, I like the theory. I, I love the you know the kind of the strategical side of it and then just watching it play out on the pitch and uh you know just simple little things like option you know if you've got a, you've got a slot receiver who's got an option route depending on where the defender's lined up you know if he's got uh insides uh, what's the word i'm looking for inside coverage on you or um and then take then go to do an out five five yard out or and, and vice versa so uh i think it's just the what goes into it i mean 60 minutes there's a lot of stuff that goes on in that 60 minutes um if even if the clock stops or it doesn't stop and it's just so such a fine margin and just the chemistry and how i think needs to be all in rhythm and in sync just for it to, to all come off and uh yeah it's just even i just love the paper side of it the theory and and then just watching it all play out it's just the can't beat the drama the one thing i like about american football i don't think gets talked about enough is sort of the storylines Mm, and whether mm. they're manufactured or not, it, it it's there's always interesting stories within the sport. And I know with like footy back in the UK and stuff, sometimes we have crazy things happen where like Leicester will win a league title, and this year they really came into their own, won the FA Cup just just yesterday, and we we have all these things happen. But American football is so crazy. Like the guy who is a consensus greatest of all time was overlooked by you know loads of teams he was the 199th pick and then you've got guys like Wes Welker and, and Tony Romo guys who you know aren't really looked at in the draft process Tony Romo's undrafted he only got a shot in the league because mm. he came in to throw to guys at the combine and people were like wow this guy can really throw the ball and storylines like that really make it interesting because you don't see that in a lot of other sports i mean okay jamie vardy he, he played for fleetwood town 10 years ago and uh, and now he's on the england team or whatever but do you think that I, i'm gonna ask this question because i love the different answers i get every time how far away do you think we are from having our our own team in in the uk uh, I hope a million miles away. Personally, I don't want it. Um, I don't, I'm not. I'm not a big advocate for for a London team. I think it's likely to happen. Uh, the schedule, the timeline's obviously been pushed back a few years now. So I, don't know, I reckon five, six, seven, maybe seven years away. Um, but yeah, for me, I don't. I don't want a team over here. I, I just like it being American. It, it's called American football for a reason. Uh, to then, I think the, the problem you have is with with a London franchise, you're then opening the door to a Mexican franchise or Canadian franchise, and it's just going to be too. It's going to be too global, too big in terms of logistics and and. Um, scheduling and, and all the rest of it and I, I just don't want that um 
so if that that's, again, I'm, I'm not hoping that we get one next year. I'm, I'm grateful for the games. I know a lot of people have already moaning about the games we're getting this year at Tottenham, but just give me a couple of games each year. Give me a couple of teams to to, you know, to go and watch each year. Um, yeah, it's part of the novelty, part of the fun of the sport. And you know, whilst obviously full ten yards is all about helping the sport grow in this country, uh, I don't want to great. I don't want to be. <laughs> I'm not going to be investing any money on in get, making sure the Jacksonville Jaguars come over here. <laughs> I, I, well, I was about to say, do you think it's sort of an inevitability as Britball grows and as we are starting to see more and more international players in the league? We're seeing guys like F.A. Obada, Christian Wade, uh, Obi Melafonwu, and now his brother, Ifitu Melafonwu, both all British guys sort of making it to the league. And then we see the guys from the NFL Academy, like George Reynolds is now going to play at a college in Canada. We've got guys like Fred Pelling uh, playing out. Uh, where well, he, he's been given an offer for uh, a U.S. college. And then, obviously, uh, another guy we talked about a lot. I keep forgetting. I should probably not forget his name. I've asked him on the podcast about 300 times. But he, he's a wide receiver now at Arkansas State, which is a, the D1 school. Do you, do you think it's maybe just inevitable now, though, at this point, with the amount of British talent that is finally making it over there? Um, I wouldn't say it's inevitable. I still think there's a good percent chance that it doesn't happen because like, part of me thinks if it was going to happen, it probably would have done by now. You know, Jacksonville Jaguars have been over a double digits amount of times, and I think you know, again, COVID is not going to be the reason that they don't bring what I think over here. But I, I don't know. I just kind of get a sense of feeling that every year that goes by, I know they try and introduce slightly more um, complex things to yeah, uh, what's the word? pretend as if you know, you know simulate is the word i'm looking for simulate that, that you know we have we have a team and you know i think miami this year don't have a buy after their london game and um so yeah again they're introducing like really baby small steps so again we can, you can never say never and again it might even be 10 years down the line rather than five but um i still think there's a chance I'd still think there's a chance that it doesn't happen. Uh, and again, obviously, I'm on, I'm on, I, w- I would vote that side, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if it does, but I'd just hope it doesn't. Yeah, it's, um, like I'd be excited, but I, I kind of feel like at this point, given the state of baseball, basketball, and the NHL, I think you'd probably need a, a, a Canadian team or two first. Just. Because it does feel weird that they always say world champion at the Super Bowl, but it is only American teams. And I think maybe we get a team from Toronto and Vancouver first. But the funniest thing is the biggest league in football trying to make it more international is actually the Canadian Football League. There's obviously the the talks of the XFL merger, but people people don't know this unless they follow the CFL, but they hold an international combine. Mm. So they have players from Asia, uh, Oceania, like you've got, in Australia, you've got people from New Zealand and Australia, and then you've got people uh, from the UK, Germany, Italy, every, everywhere in Europe. And I think their idea is to bring the game more global before the NFL does it. They, so they can say they predate the NFL and college football for a start, because a lot of people don't know this. American football was actually a Canadian invention. Bunch of Canadian and Scottish people invented it. Americans hate to hear that, but that is that is the facts. And they're trying to take the game global because of their limited resources. They can't. And yeah. we saw what happened with the NFL EU that was losing the NFL thirty million dollars a year. I think it was a ridiculous amount of money they were hemorrhaging because there wasn't the infrastructure there. But now we see professional leagues in Germany and professional leagues in Switzerland and Italy and Sweden 
There's so many professional leagues cropping up. It just feels like a matter of time before we're potentially going to get another EU league run by the NFL, even if it's set up like a G League. There's an article I've been trying to work on for so long about setting up a G League for the NFL because we see it with every other sport in in America. There's a minor league system. There's AA and AAA minor league baseball. There's minor league hockey. There's you know the G League for basketball. And it just seems like the NFL are really missing a trick by not having these minor leagues and potentially having these minor leagues set up abroad because of the amount of talent. But the only problem well, if it, then if it, if it wasn't if it wasn't for the double A or I mean I don't know anything about baseball. If it wasn't for the uh, for the minor leagues baseball, Tim Tebow would never take tight end job in Jacksonville. <laughs> <laughs> this is the funny thing. I've been speaking to people about this all weekend, um, and the guy I told you about before the podcast, Kieran. Funnily enough. He's been really grinding my gears the past few days. Every time he sees me, he does the Tebow pose, gets down on a knee and does that pose. You, you will have the last laugh, mate. Don't worry. He's not making the, He's not making that team. Don't worry about it. Why have they not just got a, a tight end out of retirement? Why have they gone after a 33-year-old quarterback? People Let's move forget on, this no, isn't I, like wide receiver. You can't just run a route. You need to learn how to block and stuff as well. No, he's, Blocking he's, is a very he's complex. Gonna get, he's going to get pancaked. Look, all I'm saying is Jesus rose at 33 as well. So potentially <laughs> Tim Tebow might actually be Jesus. But or, he, 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 He's just got some dirt on Urban Meyer, I thought. I mean, he, he helped Urban Meyer win a natty. I think that's probably all you need on a guy, I think. You know, you know. Because his bins out every Wednesday. <laughs> well, they do live next door to each other, so he could potentially do a get a groundskeeping in the off season to save Urban Meyer some money. Yeah, but uh, do you... oh, it's just so crazy to think. Like, I know we just talked about, it, but that we could be a couple years away from from a franchise in the UK. But would you, would you? I know you said you're not big on the idea, but if it happened and they were, it was done reasonably well. Would you? Would you? sort of leave the Cowboys to become a fan of, you know, the London Monarchs or whatever, or is it Cowboys yeah. till you die? Okay, yeah, yeah, definitely. If you said to me, if you said to me, oh, if you followed your this you know, London franchise, or if you followed a new franchise and we'd guarantee you a Super Bowl win next year, but you can't support the Cowboys anymore, I'd still wouldn't take it. I just love watching the Cowboys. Um, even like, you know, everyone, yeah, everyone tends to kind of watch, you know, Red Zone these days and, you know, the kind of highlight stuff. I will always sit there and watch full games of, of Cowboys and, um, yeah, you can't, nothing, literally nothing will be able to, to, to sway me from that. Um, I mean, I, I don't, if we, if we did have a London franchise, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't think I'd follow, I'd probably just treat them like Jacksonville, just acknowledge that they're the home, they're, they're kind of our home team. And yeah, you know, I'm not, but I'm not going to kick myself out. I'm not going to get like, like little pop mini Funko pops of, of the, the London franchise guys. It's always going to be, it's always going to be Dallas. But again, I'd, I'd acknowledge that they're there. I'd still go to the game because it's a game, but I wouldn't support them. Uh, I just hope that the Dallas Cowboys would play them and I'd obviously cheer for them. But <laughs> Would we have to institute a CFL-style rule where we have to have a certain amount of British players on the roster, or do you think that limits them? Oh yeah, no, it have to be just no. Yeah. You can't, you can't. Uh, we're, As we're, is we're, in the CFL, you have to have Canadian players on the roster. You have to have a certain amount. You have to have a certain amount on the field at all times. Yeah, no, I, I think like, say 
considering we're obviously the NFL Academy's just coming and we are sending more players, but I think we're decades, decades away from being a, depending on how it, how it all shakes out, we're, we're decades away from being, you know, uh, taken, taken seriously. It's, it's starting to happen because we're going to get a few. And I so say, hopefully George, you mentioned George Reynolds and a couple of other guys that have, that have been showing well, they, they kind of make a name for themselves. Obviously, you know, it's quite, you know, we, we're quite quick in this country to, to name the players that do make a team and, uh, and you know, Christian Wade's got far, far too much, uh, far too much attention from for what he's what he's done. But fair play to him for you know for for attempting it and the rest of it. But um, yeah, we're, we're decades away from from being a, a decent conveyor belt of, of giving giving the, the sports something. Because I, I think yeah, again, because it's an American sport, I do I do feel that some of the players are kind of thought of oh, you're not American, you don't get the game, you don't you don't know how to play the game properly. You don't, it's not in your veins. Although you know, although it is, it's just. Uh, it's just one of those things. I don't think it's necessarily be accept- warmly accepted by 100 percent of the of the coaching staff, the scouts, and all the rest of it, because you know, of where they where people come from. It's just the way that the people are these days. That's actually the biggest challenge to me, um, coaching, because because you go into like a, a room full of coaches, and they're all like, I'm, I'm always one of the youngest because there's normally a bunch of like, especially at the high school level, it's a bunch of 40 year old men who who are there because their kids are there at, at some point, but. Then I come in, I'm young British, I'm covered in tattoos and look like a bit of a ruffian. And then yeah. I'm instantly going after the quarterback saying, hey, look, I need you to do this. And the head coach there, like, what you... T-? And I'm like, just give me a minute. And then showing him how to do something properly and everyone just instantly poo-poos it because that I'm British and you don't know football or whatever. But then it always seems to work out. Like I said, I've sent a kid D1 kind of know what i'm doing at this point um but but i think it is just breaking that barrier like i think once british people are looked at more seriously and we're not just looked at as oh you you're only doing this because you can earn more in football than you can rugby or oh you only played rugby or like oh you can only have punters and stuff like that because i think probably the most successful british player in recent memory is probably um Jamie Gillian, the punter for the Browns, the Scottish Hammer, he, he's probably actually doing the most in the league with, with awards uh, and stuff like that. But we are getting there, which is is a big part. And full 10 yards is actually doing a lot with developing Britball. And before, before, we, before we run the outro, that's actually something I wanted you to talk about, what we are doing at full 10 yards to help grow the game in the UK. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so I say if you if you watch the NFL pod, obviously we just had recently had a relaunch. So again, you go and go and check out the NFL pod from from last week, and obviously go and check the website. Um, you can see it's called Brand Spanking New. But if you watch over the next couple of weeks, we, we'll be releasing that podcast and doing announcements on all our socials. I did a, I released a podcast on Sunday uh, with the, uh, the Merseyside Nighthawks, who we one of the, one of the few teams that we've dedicated to sponsor you know, giving a monthly donation uh just to again give every little help so there'll be another couple of teams there's, there's a, a podcast come up with the crew crew railroaders um who have been a bit up and down in Britball, but um yeah i'm not gonna not do any spoilers but that's quite a special one because we uh we kind of do our, our announcement live on that podcast and the people the per- one of the people on it doesn't necessarily know what's coming and it's quite one of those genuine reactions um so that, that's nice and let's like say there'll be a couple of people who are currently doing their 
their courses for coaching. Um, and we'll say we'll, you keep, we'll keep everyone up to date on how they get on. And like I say, obviously, it might as well plug if, if anyone out there wants to, to become an official or become a coach in this country in the UK, you know, head over to, to our website, full10yards.com forward slash Britball, and then find out about our scheme, sign up to that, and say if we pick you, we'll, we'll help you get, get some coaching. And it's all about getting more people participating, more people involved in the sport, therefore raising the talent levels because everyone's been pushing on that bit that harder because there's more more competition for those spots to coach teams. Um, and let's say if, if we are even just a pebble in the ocean, which is something I seem to be saying a lot these days, um, you know, if we can help any way we can, then, then we will. But yeah, keep your eyes peeled on, on our YouTube, uh, on, our, on, our, say on our socials for 10 yards on Twitter. Uh, on the website as well and to find out all, all how you can how if anyone listening wants to get involved as well or how if you want to donate or if you want to get us get some of our merch to help support the game uh, it's all going for towards a good cause and it's all about getting more people on the pitches and, and getting more games on getting more teams around and yeah in, again increasing the talent levels of our, of our coaches of our players and again yeah making the transition to funneling all these players to the NFL and CFL and, and whatever leagues then, then come about uh, just that bit quicker. And then hopefully maybe we can do a hashtag United and build our own squad at some point. Yeah, we, just, uh, <laughs> we won't give it a ridiculous name like the full 10 hashtags or anything like that. We'll, uh, we'll keep the name a little bit more normal if we ever get to that stage. I know, I know hashtag is a touchy subject for some of the guys in this group. Um, but yeah, thank you for joining me, Tim. It was a really fun episode. Dallas, I know they're the most recognisable team uh, in terms of brand uh, and things like that. And th this is something I will say that probably uh, British fans won't know. If you go to like a Dick's Sporting Goods in the US, it always has local teams. So if I, if I go to Dick's, it will have Bengals, uh, University of Cincinnati, Ohio State, that sort of stuff. But there is always, in every single one I've been to, in Ohio, Illinois, and other states, there is always Cowboys jerseys. You are mm. always the most recognizable team on and off the pitch. And that's why this has been such a fun episode, because they're just, despite you know what people think about Jerry Jones and everything, genuinely a fun team to watch. And they're always going to be the name on the tip of people's tongues. Um, they are the Dallas Cowboys. They are America's team. They are indeed. Uh, well, that's why we're why we're opening up with uh, with with Tampa Bay this year because it's not it's not for <laughs> it's not to give uh, Tampa Bay a, a game. It's to, to for the for the ratings. But like I say, they're on Thanksgiving, second game on Thanksgiving every year. Um, like I say, I think they're probably the one the most uh, belittled and uh, heckled teams, especially as, as a fan. Everyone loves to give it to the Cowboys. But our time will come, and we will be so annoying, and we will be so uh, so in everyone's faces when Dallas because it, it will happen at some point again in the future. There are yeah obviously i'd hope for it in my in my lifetime and it should happen in my lifetime uh considering how quickly these things can can turn around but um yeah one one, one day ladies and gentlemen and take this is the one takeaway from this podcast is one day the dallas cowboys will win the super bowl <laughs> unless mac jones turns out to be really really good we'll see what yeah. we'll see what happens <laughs> yeah. you might might have to play uh mccorkle jones in the super bowl one day but I'll yeah, thanks it. for joining me, Tim. Um, Pleasure. I've been the Himbo F10Y. Tim, your handle is? Uh, you can see it on there. For some reason, it's got two at symbols, but Tim underscore monkey F10Y. And we, this has been Kieran's Corner. Thank you for joining me. Kick it and go. Kick it and kick it and go.